Hello, everyone. Let me make sure I can see you guys. I'm very glad to be here, and we'll just get right into our topics, both topics. Uh, can you hear me, first of all? Okay. So um, now the first topic, we just put an outline in into the chat there. I'm going to put it there again. It's a title is Overcoming the Effects of the Pandemic on Our Christian Life, and this is just a a brief fellowship on this huge topic. Um, and you could think of it kind of an, as, as an extension to Josh's message, uh, which he shared at the end there about how we don't want to say, I have no one, right? We want to have others in the Christian race. And you could say the main effect that the pandemic has on us is it has brought us to be more alone. So it's, it's very good to fit right in here. And we're so glad to be in John this weekend and to see how life meets the need of every man. So surely in our case with this pandemic, life can meet our need. And um, let's just get into this outline because it'll be very brief, just 15 minutes. And then Ty will share on baptism for another 15 minutes and that'll be it. So uh, here we go. You know, um, what started this topic was we got a, I got a text from a, a student that we had met last year, and then when he started up this semester, uh, he was back in his hometown doing Zoom college, and then he lost touch with us, and after a month or so of no contact, he's, he reached out. He said, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing good. How are you? And he said, uh, Zoom college is much more stressful than normal college with much less social interaction. He said, I think I've been so overwhelmed with schoolwork and stuff that's happened in my life that, that I've become lazy with my connection to God. And I finally decided I want to take action on that. And I was wondering if we could find a time to meet next week, talk next week. And then he said, quarantine has left me feeling really empty. And I think part of that is because I haven't been staying in touch with God and the brothers and reading the Bible enough. So I, we were so touched by this, glad the text came in. And what we picked up from this text is that there's a basic human need, two of them. And he pointed out, I lost touch with God and the brothers. So that human need is reality and community. Apart from those things, uh, we're going to feel empty, like he said. Um, even he told me before he sent this, he wrote it out several times and then just decided not to send it because he felt like I'm too busy and this is one of the busiest semesters of college for me. I don't have time for God. But then what he ended up realizing is, yeah, I'll get my work done. They just keep giving me assignments. I'll get them done. But I still feel dissatisfied. So eventually he realized, what am I working for? I got to reach out. And we're so glad he did. And I can tell you he, at this point, of course, it's all Zoom, but we have four weekly phone calls or Zoom or four weekly times and he's getting connected. So that's what we want to encourage us all, if you feel disconnected, um, to reach out and get connected. But let's take a look at this outline. And so we'll just make some brief points. There's a spectrum, of course, of, of situations. Not everyone's the same. Um, some have, you know, moved into apartments with the, their, their close-knit friends, their companions. And so they've kind of got this built-in social group. But others, you know, they're at home and they're hometown and their parents' home, and so they're more isolated. But regardless, the pandemic has reduced 
our interactions. I think we could all agree to that. Um, I asked a sister full-timer to ask some of her students that question. Has the pandemic, and I want you to think about this, has, has compared to before the pandemic, do you spend more time alone in your room or not? Maybe less or maybe about the same. Just think about that for, for a second. Do you spend, and you don't have to answer it, but just I think a lot of us would realize we spend more time in our room alone. We've uh, decreased human interaction. Even, um, even if you are in your college town, probably your classes, a lot of them are online. So you're, you're just not commuting. You're not able to just drop into the cafeteria, able to drop into the atrium. Instead, you know, there's more time for screen time and you're on your screens already for classes. So then the screen time for entertainment is just so easy to go in that direction. And so um, that's one point. And then another point about the pandemic is that in-person gatherings have been somewhat called into question. You know, uh, there's some reluctance among us to gather in person. I totally understand that. There's, there's still a virus. People are still getting sick. Um, but uh, we might feel guilty for attending or worried about getting someone else sick, you know, worried about the what were they doing before we wanted to get together. And, then there's the question of, should I wear a mask? Should I not? It just, there's all these questions and we're just bringing this up. There's all these questions to in-person gatherings. Another point is that we've gotten so used to being alone that we've somewhat gotten comfortable. We've gotten comfortable being alone. So we just have less social energy. We've, we haven't been using that muscle of socializing. And so, uh, in a sense, things that would have been easy for us socially are now a little bit more daunting. Uh, then, you know, there's the thing that Zoom fatigue is real, we, we, where it's a little hard to be in, in person. But on the other hand, we're somewhat paralyzed because we don't want more Zoom meetings because Zoom fatigue is a real thing. And we know it's not as good as real life or, you know, in person. Um, so all these things kind of compound to make, the, to make us more alone. And in general, the Christian life, like Josh said in message two, is, is not designed to be run alone. It's, you know, if you think about what trips up young Christians, what are they facing? It's, you know, youthful lusts. And 2 Timothy 2.22, it doesn't say, flee youthful lusts and pursue all alone in your room. It doesn't say that. It says, flee youthful lusts and pursue with those who call on the Lord. But we know that because we are so alone, it's just so easy to, to you know, their media is there and no one's looking. And so it's so easy to slip into things uh, to watch things and to just feel like it doesn't matter. And, uh, you know, and so that's, that's our situation, I feel, um, across. But uh, we would like to just address this in an introductory way, not trusting in this word, but trusting in you and the Lord in your area. You can get together after this conference and pray and consider but here's just four practical points that may help you um, in your considering how can we overcome the negative, some of the negative effects of the pandemic. So the first one is on your sheet there, and I have the verse, Hebrews 12.1. First one is we should realize that we are together even when we are alone. And, you know, the world likes to say people are together, but we would like to say we are together alone. Even if you are alone, we're together. Why is that? Because Christians are the body of Christ. And so, and in Hebrews 12, 1, it says that we are running a race. Uh, the author says, let us run. And of course, in running, who's doing the running? You're doing the running, 
but the emphasis there is that it's all of us exerting the energy doing the running but it's us running the race together and even there's this great cloud of witnesses there this great cloud of witnesses and and this means that the believers from times past the the saints from the old testament and abraham noah moses they're there watching us they're cheering us on they're for us and the lord himself is for us and so we're not alone even when we are alone we're together so that's the first point just to realize that um and the next point is that we should realize we're called to meet together all the more at the end of the age at the end of the age we're called to meet together all the more so i i know there's this thought in us that we'll just wait for the vaccine once the vaccine comes out we'll resume our christian activities but we want to say don't put a pause on your christian life it's not meant to be put on pause um as it's gotten harder for us to meet you know because it's it's harder for us to meet in person and it's not as enjoyable to meet online we should take that as a sign of the end of the age and we should realize hebrews 10:25 says as we see the day drawing near we should be assembling all the more so much the more and you know if you think of it like the nighttime as the day draws near it gets colder throughout the night the coldest time of the night coldest time of the night is you know right before dawn and at that time coals burning coals need to be together all the more to stay burning so as it gets harder for christians to meet as it gets less convenient we should be realizing this isn't a time for us to meet so much the less but to be overcoming and meet so much the more uh in whatever way online or in person and i you know uh i went to my first watch party last night my first one ever i know i'm i'm late to the watch parties but brothers and sisters i enjoyed it so much and i i want to keep doing in person events it was so good we were on paul's back porch we were socially distanced it was safe uh but it was so much better to be in person so if you have the way you feel comfortable that's very good and you know in in this pandemic small is big when you're thinking of meetings we we can't do the big meetings but the small meetings if it's a a one person if it's just a few people that's a big deal and josh made this point i want to make this also that uh we should be vulnerable enough to ask to come over in person you know to ask to be in person is a big deal so again we're not pushing you to be in person but if you feel in, if you feel comfortable to do that uh, realize that might be a big boost to your to your christian life and then the third point here is uh we should have daily prayer calls with our companions uh you know in this pandemic because we're isolated because we're in our rooms more weekly is not good enough we should increase our frequency so whether it's daily or almost the point is our the frequency of these calls should be increased so that we can overcome the hardening effects of sin and so i put this in this verse hebrews 3:13 i love how it says uh we should exhort one another each day each day means every day daily uh that means they're communicating daily lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin so there's two things here at risk our heart is at risk there's two risk factors there's the deceitfulness of sin and there's hardening so what we could say is by our daily interaction and praying together our hearts can be softened and we can be kept away from sin and i think that's what we that's what we want right another positive aspect in 
meeting together daily and is in Hebrews 10.24. And that is uh, we should consider one another and exhort one another and incite one another to love and good works, to incite one another to love, incite one another to good works. And I heard of some brothers, they were getting together. Uh, Ty might share more about this, but um, it came out in their little meeting. One of them hadn't been baptized. And so they fellowshiped and they incited the brother to the good work of baptism. Surely there was an inciting to love one another. So that was so encouraging to me. When we get together in these little groups, we incite one another to love, to love the Lord, to love each other, and to the good works that the Lord's called for us. Okay, now just finally, we want to encourage the students to replace for me content with to me for you content. So what I mean by that is, you know, all these big entertainment companies, Netflix, Amazon, YouTube, they're all driven by algorithms that give content that is supposed to be targeted just for you. It's just for, for me so that I'll like it. But we know the more we take in that content, it just leaves us feeling empty. It's like empty carbs, right? But Paul in Ephesians 3, 2, you know, he said, I received a stewardship. It's like he said, I received a job. What was his job? It was to receive grace and give grace to others. So that was to him for others, to me for you. So replace one show with one service opportunity. Replace one game, one video game with one phone call to someone who could need it, who could benefit from it. And I know a lot of a lot of the students watching this, you might be the most connected in your Christian clubs. It's the ones that aren't here actually that have been the most affected by this pandemic. So you could think about them and reach, reach out to them. Uh, this would be your inciting them, your exhorting them. And you would never taste so much joy in your Christian life as when you help someone else to enjoy Christ, as when you lead someone else to the Lord and your Christian life suddenly just takes a, it's just elevated so much. Oh, it's wonderful. So that's, uh, that's about it, brothers. Um, I would also just say, you know, one of the main ways to replace content is replace is adding prayer for others. So we have the last verse here in our outline is 1 John 5, 16. You know, it says, if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin, he should ask. If anyone sees his brother sinning, what should he do? He shouldn't gossip, but he should pray for that brother. And then it says, when you ask, you will be the one to give life to your brother. So we have a lot of brothers and sisters in our groups back in our towns. We know them. When we go back home after this conference, let's get together. Let's pray for these that aren't here. Let's reach out to them. And I just feel this would be a wonderful way to overcome the effects of the pandemic. So just to, to sum up, um, pandemic has made us more alone, more alone than ever, but we're not alone. The Lord is with us. We have other believers there praying for us and we should meet more often. We should fight to meet. We should overcome the uh, negative factors. And as we're together, we're hearts are, our hearts are softened. Our hearts are stirred up to love the Lord. And we can actually, st we can go out and help others who are not yet connected. Amen. Okay, now what we'll do is we'll transition to Ty for a short word on baptism. Yes, a short word on baptism. I have a really tough job to tell you about one of the most important landmarks of a believer in 15 minutes, okay? Um, and I want to do that in this way. I'm going to give you three T's, like, T, like 
Ty, three T's and one question to leave you with, okay? Three T's, one question. And I hope even this talk is kind of like you're on my couch here on 3506 Speedway. That's my address. And I'm just, and you're just asking me, Ty, tell me about baptism, all right? I will tell you first, three T's and one question. Um, with my own baptism, it happened when I was 13. Um, I received Christ into me. And I took another step. I wanted to get baptized. I wanted to choose to walk and follow God the rest of my life. And I would say those was a, a, a two-step uh, walk, right? Uh, uh, people have said about baptism, it's one step is salvation. But the next step, right, to make a walk, our Christian walk, is baptism. And we take this from Mark 16, 16. If you ever want to know a verse on baptism, I think God just made it really really simple for us is mark 16 16 he who believes and is baptized shall be saved right he who believes and is baptized shall be saved if you want to know what baptism is what it requires the prerequisite to take this class this baptism step is actually to believe in the lord jesus um that's that's the step if if you've done that if you can say hallelujah lord i love you you're in me um, I trust you. I'll give you my heart. I'll give you my life. If you made that genuine prayer to God, you are set up as a gospel, as a Baptist uh, candidate. And if you have not done so, I pray in the next, uh, what, 12 more minutes, you, have, have, you can have like a little string in your heart. Maybe I need to get into the baptism waters. Maybe I need to take that step into God's purpose and God's kingdom. So get into that. Um, I hope you can take that step as I did, as many people on this chat has done into God's purpose. So three T's of baptism. Okay, you got this. There's no outline because I want y'all to use the chat. You can remind each other what the points are. All right. Termination, transfer, and testimony. Three T's of baptism. Okay. Termination, transfer, testimony. The termination. Now, I don't know if you've ever read this verse in the Bible. It's Romans 6.6. 6, another easy. 6.6. 6, Romans. It says, my old man has been crucified with Christ. I ask you, what are you really saved from? That verse back in Mark 16. Believed and baptized, you're saved. What are we saved from? We're saved from our old man, right? Saved from the world, saved from sin, saved from our flesh. We, we have this salvation step. Um, yes, when we believe, but baptism is a further salvation from this world. And the clearest, I would say, this is what I bring up in every appointment Bible study I have with a brother about baptism, is Exodus 14. Um, I feel like that is a, uh, another a visual movie presentation of what baptism is. It's a clear picture of the children of Israel, the Israelites, journeying out of Egypt into the promised land, the good land, for all that Christ has for them. And really, this picture right there in Exodus 14 displays this. They're enslaved for 400 years, the children of Israel. They put the Passover uh, blood on the, uh, from the lamb on the doorpost, right? We're kind of familiar with the story. And then in Exodus 14, they're crossing the Red Sea. That is a clear demonstration of, of our journey as believers. We're enslaved by this old man, enslaved by Pharaoh, enslaved by sin. Even, you know, when you believe, check your experience. Maybe you believe, you believe in the Lord, you receive him, but there's still this tug in you some control the enemy might have over you. You feel like you can't fully walk um, as a believer and run after Christ as we're told in the scriptures. Maybe it's because of this step you have not taken. They still, even the children of Israel, they put the blood on the doorpost. They put the blood, right? The angel passed over them. They, they took care of that, right? 
but they were still in Egypt. Their position was wrong. So they needed a termination. They needed to cross over the death waters and into the promised land, the good land Christ as a, as a fulfillment of God's purpose. God did not intend for them to stay in Egypt. He does not intend for every believer on this call to stay in the world. He wants to take a step and baptism is that step. Um, termination is really termination for germination. Ending of your old man, I'm crucified with Christ to a new beginning, a new walk in newness of life. That's baptism. So that's termination. And then I'm already alluding to the next point, transfer. We get transferred. Um, you know, under Egypt, right? This is a typify or symbolic of, of the world. We're under Satan's tyranny, under his bondage, under his enslavement. Even when we get saved, we can still be under these things. Um, but baptism is a transfer from Satan's kingdom to God's kingdom. <laughs> I'll say that again. Baptism is a transfer from Satan's kingdom to God's kingdom. I remember back in college, we would have these prayers. Brothers would get baptized, sisters would be baptized at Freshman Connect or college conferences and, or in their, you know, in their pool, in the, in the apartment. And the saints would be praying for this. The believers would be praying for this. Lord, thank you for his decision to be transferred into your purpose, into your kingdom, into your rule and authority. That's very experiential for us. And um, I had this question, brothers have asked me this too. Maybe this might be referring to some people who have already been baptized. What now? I mean, I got baptized. What, what, what do I do now? Why? I mean, I got saved and baptized. What do I do? I would say this. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 to answer this question. You are in the best position to drink, right? This verse makes it clear. After we get baptized, saved and baptized, we are baptized into one body and we're given to drink one spirit. That's what the whole gospel of John is about, right? Receiving this life-giving spirit, receiving this water of life, receiving this river, this flow. If you ever want to wake up your Christian life, if you ever want to take that step to, man, I want more drinking, more enjoyment of God, maybe baptism is that step. It's a transfer um, from this, this, this other kingdom to God's kingdom, but it's also an elevation of lifting to further enjoy God. Um, this was pointed out recently um, in, our, in Austin, we've been going through Matthew and we just hit Matthew 28, 28, 19, a very famous verse, right? The Great Commission. And the Lord says, says, go therefore and baptize, disciple the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Actually, this is a perfect uh, demonstration of what baptism does. It is an immersion into God. We get baptized into the triune God, the Father, Son, and Spirit. If you ever felt like, I got saved, but I still feel distant from God. I feel like I still haven't made that leaps and bounds in my Christian life. Baptism may be that step for you. It is that step for you if not done that. And it, because that verse points out in Matthew, it is a full partaking, a full jumping into and surrounding of God. And that's what we want for all of us, to be immersed, to be soaked, saturated, infused with all that God is. And baptism is that step. So it's a termination, a transfer, right, from Satan's kingdom to God's kingdom, to all that we can do for, to drink of him and to be immersed in him. And also is a testimony. Um, and I think, you know, if y'all want to have some post-game fellowship in your watch parties and your community groups on this, this is actually a big point, the testimony. Um, you write this, put, put this in the chat. Baptism is a testimony. What that means is it's an outward display of an inward reality, right? An 
outward display, outward demonstration, and outward testimony of an inward reality. It's invisible to believe in the Lord. No one's going to measure up, hey, he's not a believer. He's, you know, he's, you know, no one's going to come up to me and tell me that because it's in, in the invisible realm. It's a spiritual reality, right? So real in, front of, in, in the eyes of God. Um, our, our salvation, our receiving the blood of Christ and receiving God into our heart. But baptism is actually an outward demonstration, an outward testimony. It's actually an outward demonstration to the world, you know, unbelievers, our families, um, and especially Satan. That's why he hates baptism. Even while you probably heard the special topic is baptism, probably some people are like, oh, I don't know about, I don't know, baptism. I, that inward struggle is an indication about what baptism is, is a testimony to Satan. Um, and that's what I want to bring up with Exodus 14 again. You know, when Exodus 14 happened, children of Israel, they made the decision. We're going to follow after Moses, go after go into the promised land, cross the Red Sea. Well, you know what followed them? Satan and his chariots, thousands of them, it records. Isn't it crazy? Once they decided to go after, uh, cross the Red Sea, um, Satan couldn't handle it. He had to chase after them, pursue them, Exodus 14 says, because that's a demonstration. That's, that's a both um, believer has. I am no longer a part of your kingdom, Pharaoh. I'm no longer walking in your realm under your control. I'm taking a step. I'm taking my next uh, step landmark for Christ in the church. That's what, that's what baptism is, a testimony to the enemy. And yeah, I had this experience when I was in um, Germany for a trip with some brothers. We were at this gospel meeting and many, I think it was about 30 uh, um, Serenians and Iranians, they, they got actually prayed to receive Christ into them at this gospel meeting. Wonderful, wonderful. But once um, some of them decided to get baptized, uh, the brother who was kind of leading of that meeting, he told us to put away our phones. There was no technology. Well, you could not take a picture, no, no video, nothing. Because if anything of those baptisms got online, those um, um, former Muslims that were there um, that just converted to uh, Christ, they actually would be persecuted and sometimes even killed, which is, I mean, this is kind of a testimony for the last of, you know, hundreds of years of what baptism is. It's actually not, so persecution not only really comes when you receive Christ for a lot of people in different religions, different backgrounds, but once you decide to get baptized, that is when the persecution and even death may come to a, a new believer because that's how much is a testimony to the world and to the enemy um, because it is direct stance against Satan's kingdom. And so I want to leave you with how I left you with, right? Three T's, termination, transfer, testimony, okay? And I'll leave you with this question. What prevents me from being baptized? That is not a question Ty Wilson just drew up to ask you to ask. That is a verse in Acts, Acts 8.36. This is a vivid, vivid story. That's kind of your homework I want you to have. If you're kind of still wrestling with the thought of baptism, if you still need more fellowship, I would say start with Exodus 14 and then go on to Acts chapter 8. There's an Ethiopian eunuch, this uh, dear one. Um, he gets preached the gospel to, and then he walks <laughs> with this guy who preached the gospel to him, Philip. And it, after he receives Christ, he says, look. There's water. What prevents me from being baptized? That is a question. If you have not been baptized, I hope it stays for you the rest of Saturday, the rest of this weekend, the rest of this next week. If you have not been baptized, I hope that question, that verse permeates and pricks your heart. 
what prevents me from being baptized? Um, the opportunity is there. And if you're in Austin, Texas, the opportunity is from 2.30 to 5.30 today. Um, tell the staff member, the serving ones in your CG, if you want that decision, if you want to make that termination to your old man, that transfer from Satan's kingdom to God's kingdom and the further enjoyment of God and all that he is. And if you want this testimony of boasting to um, your friends, your family, that I stand for Christ, I choose Christ, I choose his kingdom, then just talk to the ones around you. And if you're not in Austin, I, you know, there's water everywhere. Take it from that verse. Look, there's water. There's water in Belize. There's water in the Valley. There's water in Houston. There's water. So just talk to the serving ones in your locality and your universities and your club. And I'm sure they can help you and assist you and pray with you to take this step for baptism. So I'll leave you with that three T's and that question. And Furthermore, if you, we're still going with the conference, and we'll see you tonight at 7.20. The door's open. The Zoom opens at 7.20 tonight. The link is in the uh, chat again. The link is on the website, and we hope to see you later again. Of course, continue to pray for these two matters of baptism and how we can stay connected with Christ and the other believers in our, in our localities and where we are to keep our Christian life going. So I love that point Meryl said. Let's not waste this pandemic and just think we can jump on our Christian life just when the, uh, the vaccine comes out. No, we can still keep growing. Even We can still get baptized in this midst of this pandemic. We can still take steps to keep enjoying Christ as our life continually. So with that said, we'll see you tonight, everybody, at 720 on Zoom.